Hi everyone, how are you? I'm going to read again from the passage that we read from last week in Haggai, chapter 1. And I'm going to read from verse 3 of chapter 1, where it says this. So the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You have food to eat, but not enough to fill you up. You have wine to drink, but not enough to satisfy your thirst. You have clothing to wear, but not enough to keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. And now go up to the hills. Bring down timber. Rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You may remember last week that we talked about becoming a thriving community and how we build a house for God in our own fellowship and in our own personal lives. So the question that I'm going to ask you this week is, how do we foster that thriving community or adopt a mentality personally of thriving? It's really clear that as a church, Derby City Church, you've excelled throughout your protracted time of both grief and struggle. You've excelled in looking after one another, caring for one another, making one another feel supported, cared for and strengthened in God. Meeting the team this week and spending the first day with them was a, a real joy. And even though this has been a very tough time for them and they're quite quite exhausted. It's clear that one of the good things that's come out of this pandemic is the love that they have for one another and the way that they have pulled together and cared for one another. Winston Churchill once said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I want to say, you haven't. And I also want to say, we won't. I'm determined that we will emerge stronger disciples in many ways. And I know that this resolve is replicated across Derby City Church, in the small groups, in the community team, the prayer groups, the different departments of the church. As a fresh pair of eyes coming and looking in, I want to encourage you. You're all doing brilliantly. You might not feel it, but you are. It's my responsibility as your new pastor, not just to maintain this, but to press into this and to see this replicating and expanding and flourishing so much that, well, as the early church saw, that we might see people added to our number daily. Those that are being saved. That's my heart. That's my desire. That's my vision for Derby City Church, not just 
on our Sunday gatherings or our special occasions, but that you would see friends, family, neighbours and colleagues asking you what it is that makes your life special. What makes you different from them? What is the hope that shines from you? What is that light that burns within you? What is that relationship that brings you peace? And I'm praying that when this happens, you personally have the joy of leading that person to Jesus. Not just bringing them along to hear the preacher at the special event or on that special Sunday, but that you personally might experience the thrill of the Holy Spirit working through you and enabling you to be an agent of his grace. Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 16, we looked at it last week, do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? He's addressing the whole church and he's looking out in his mind's eye at the congregation of this, well, not too perfect fellowship. And he's saying to them, don't you know what you have? Don't you know that you have the spirit of God? Make the most of him. Make the most of this relationship. What a privilege it is. What an awesome power you have living in and amongst you willing you on, enabling you to battle through, opening up the heavens so that heaven can come down in your situation on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says in John's gospel that his father is looking for worshippers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That's chapter 4 verse 23. And as a church, as a family of Jesus followers, it sounds simple, but we foster and we maintain or we help our thriving as we worship. It sounds simple. All we have to do is worship. But let me remind you, if there's another thing that this pandemic has taught us, it's that worship is much more than singing songs. We all know it's been quite difficult to sing songs during this time. Even when we've been able to get back together in limited numbers and have our gatherings, then the wearing of masks and the guidelines for not actually speaking out and singing is very restrictive. We long for those days and we hope that they're going to finish soon. And boy, when they do, when those restrictions are lifted, well, will we sing Yes, we will. And will we sing loud? Yes, we will. But worship is so much more than singing. We've talked about the early church and how this, these early believers last week found ingenious ways to thrive, even in the early Christian gatherings where their lives were threatened by the authorities and persecution abounded. Sometimes, even to them, the singing of their psalms and their, their spiritual songs simply wasn't appropriate or the best thing to do. So they found ways of worshipping that went beyond. 
They lived out their worship. They acted out their worship. They demonstrated their worship. And when the declaration of their worship through singing felt hemmed in and restricted, they found other ways that were as equal and as powerful as their anthems could declare. Let me take this opportunity to uh, offer a gentle challenge here. Perhaps you're not a great singer. Perhaps you would try to make a joyful noise, but you'd prefer that you do it on your own. And perhaps the rest of the church would be grateful for that. But perhaps you have lived with the frustration that in many of our Pentecostal gatherings, well, probably we rely very heavily on singing as a major thrust of our gathered worship. Well, you might have the gift of poetry or some other creative ability that has the potential of encouraging the rest of the body and inspiring us all. Well, don't bury it. Stir it up. Stir up that gift and allow the Holy Spirit to use you. We're open to that. The Holy Spirit taught the early believers that this discipleship was not a mere form of worship or a, it was a whole it was a whole life stuff. It really meant that it mattered that they cared for each other. It mattered how they demonstrated love and even how they worked out their differences with one another. The other passage in 1 Corinthians that we looked at last week was chapter 6 verse 19 and we looked at where it says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Well, this can be a bit of a challenge because whilst in some cases it's, it's difficult to love various other people who are part of the body because of their different ways from us or maybe even because they're even a little awkward in their attitude. It, it, it seems to be an even bigger challenge to think about our own bodies, to think about what it really means if we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's not many of us that really like our own bodies. I mean, I wish I was six foot one, but I'm not. And yet, if the Holy Spirit is saying worship is about caring and loving one another, the Holy Spirit is also saying that worship is about caring and loving yourself. We've all got challenges with that. We all know where we fall short. We all have got a pretty good idea of the improvements that we could all make. But I guess the very encouraging thing is that this verse is reminding us that we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Let's not dwell on the fact that the enemy wants to remind us that we are failures or that we're no good at this. Rather, let's reflect on the fact that God is saying, I've put my spirit in you. I have made you good enough to be my temple. He's also saying, you can be a better temple. You can be a stronger temple. You can be fitter. You can be cleaner. You can feel better about yourself. 
In both Corinthian passages, there's a strong context of things like motive. What's my motive in things? There's a strong emphasis on conduct. How am I, even at stressful times? There's a strong emphasis on sexual purity. Also being strong in God's word and being respondent to the Holy Spirit. The song that we used to sing, Lord Reign in Me, had the line, over every thought, over every word, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. You mean more to me than any earthly thing. So won't you reign in me again? That's a great prayer. I wonder if anybody who you know has actually been open enough with you to encourage you that you have something special, some amazing ingredient in your makeup, deep within you that sets you apart. They may not even have recognised that it is the influence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life. But you know, if you've never, uh, if you've never had that, I really encourage you to desire that. This year, allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in you, to influence your thoughts and your words. And may your very actions reflect the beauty of Jesus, the gentleness of the dove of the Holy Spirit and the authority of God's word, which sees potential and love and care and even in correction for, for everyone. I don't know, know if you've ever watched the clip on YouTube of the American pastor, Wayne Corderio. I don't know where is the pastor, but he's in America. And uh, he's describing a recent trip where he was teaching pastors of the underground church in China. He describes how 22 of these pastors had travelled 13 hours on a train to listen to him. They'd met in a small hotel. But so as not to attract attention of the authorities, they entered in their ones and their twos and they came up to a small hotel room. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't a conference lounge or anything like that. And they sat on a hard wooden floor of this standard room with no aircon and no chairs. So they sat cross-legged and they listened for hours. And he asked them, what would happen if we were caught meeting together like this? Well, they said straight away, well, well, you'd get deported, but we would go to jail for three years. So we asked them, well, how many of you have, uh, 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 have spent time in prison for your faith? And out of the 22, 18 had been in prison for their faith. He asked them how many people that they were responsible for in their churches. And so they talked amongst themselves and tottered up how many people in all these underground little house churches and 20 million people they were responsible for. 22 pastors, 20 million people. He noticed that when he asked them to turn to a particular passage in the Bible, only a few of them actually had Bibles. But 
They all knew the various passages that he was teaching from. They'd memorised the Bible. When it came time for a break, he asked the lady pastor how she had come to memorise so much of the Bible. And she explained that, well, when you're in prison, you have plenty of time to memorise. In prison, they had their Bibles taken away. But they could have people smuggle in little pieces of paper with short passages written on them. They'd get them confiscated. So what they did, they quickly memorised the passage and they put it in their heart. And the lady pastor said to him, they may take our pieces of paper away, but they, they can't take away what's in my heart. On the final day of teaching, he asked, well, he asked them if he could pray for them. And they thought for a while and they said, well, you're able to gather without fear of arrest in the USA. Please pray that one day we will become more like you. He thought for a little bit and he said to them, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to pray that. I can't pray that. And they were a little, well, a little hurt. But he explained, you see, here, you've travelled 13 hours to get here. In my country, if people travel one hour, it's too much. He said to them, you sat on a wooden floor for three days. In, in the USA, if people have to sit for more than 40 minutes, they leave. You sat on wooden floors that were so hard in this sweaty room. In my country, if the pews are not padded and if there's no air con, they don't come back. In my country, he explained to them, we have an average of two Bibles per family, but we don't read them. You hardly have any Bibles, but you memorise them from pieces of paper. He said to them, I will not pray that you will become like us, but I will pray that we will become like you. It seems to me that even amidst tremendous governmental persecution and opposition, the church in China is definitely a thriving temple, a community of the spirit, building, expanding and reaching out. Are people who are serious about the body of the church, the temple, but also serious about their own body, this temple. And I hope that you are challenged how those Chinese pastors lived. It's not easy being a Christian in many parts of the world. And even though we're undergoing a time where none of us have experienced this sort of stuff before, we do need to count our blessings. Because there's other Christians around the world that are experiencing, like us, all the COVID restrictions and threats, but also they've got their lives threatened by opposition and many other areas of their lives. As I said last week, I've been watching your live stream for a, a number of months now. I'm really enjoying it. The various people who have led your meetings have really led well and they've used a phrase that uh, I've noticed 
quite often. They've greeted when they've opened up the, the meeting by saying, hello, church, or welcome, church. And I really like that because it's, it's really saying we are the church. But sometimes you might hear a preacher saying, now, God is in the house. Well, I wonder what they mean by that. You see, there's absolutely nothing wrong if they're really meaning that God is amongst us. But it's really not New Testament if they mean God is in the building. As we saw last week, it's an Old Testament way of thinking to say God is in this place. But it's a New Testament thing to say God is in me. Or God is in us. Or further still, we are in God. I know of one church in the UK that has named its building The House. I think that's a mistake. We are the house. We are the building of God. Bricks and mortar are great and useful. And yet we know that the church can thrive without bricks and mortar. And currently we have to do that. Derby City Church, we are a gathering of Jesus followers who are praying for ways to connect our friends and our family to Jesus. We're a community of worshippers praying for God's kingdom to come on earth. We are devoting ourselves to see God's kingdom reflected in our lives and for his kingdom to become apparent to our loved ones who don't yet know Jesus. And so back to the two questions again. Are we building the house, the church, the fellowship? Are we loving one another? Are we supporting one another? Are we encouraging one another? Are we praying for one another? Are we admonishing one another? Not by way of telling each other off in a condescending way, but simply by looking out for each other. Asking the questions, are you okay? Or do you need some help? Building one another up, encouraging one another, seeing the good in each other and actually recognising it and voicing it. And the second question, am I building the house, this house, this body, this shell that the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell and he makes it his home. Am I looking after myself? Am I feeding myself right? Am I keeping myself fit or as fit as I can be? Am I making an effort? Because it does profit. Scripture tells us this. But am I growing in my worship? Am I feeding myself on the word? And am I being alert to the Holy Spirit? Those, those little promptings that the Holy Spirit gives us. Give that person a ring. Send that person a card. Maybe even a bunch of flowers. Point that good thing out in that person. If I'm growing in worship, then how my life will reflect that. Certainly in the way I respond or especially in the way I react, even in stressful situations. I'm not perfect, but I'm allowing God's spirit to perfect me. 
Am I spending time reading the word of God? Thinking about what it's saying, reflecting, meditating, contemplating. Well, in this crazy world where rushing around seems to be the order of the day, am I really working on the intimacy that Jesus wants with me? Allowing his word to do me good, to nourish me. Am I building the house by being aware of the Holy Spirit at any time in my life? He's described in scripture as a wind. We don't know where he's going or where he's been. The Holy Spirit is dynamic like that. Always at work, always moving, always speaking to us. Are we open to what he's saying to us? Personally and also to the people that we interact with. Have we got an ear for them as well? Are we open to being used by him in this way? Offering that encouragement or that word that that cuts right down to the bone and the marrow, to the very spirit of a person, letting them know that God has got them in the palm of his hand and the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to them and show them his love, show them his care and reveal his grace to them. Remember Haggai. When the temple was neglected, in chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, he says this, You planted much, but you harvested little. You had wine to drink, but your thirst was not quenched. You had food, but you were hungry. And your clothes, you had clothes, but you were cold. You had wages, but they disappeared as though you had holes in your pockets. It seems to me, That if we don't don't neglect the temple and we get our worship right as a fellowship and as individuals, we will reverse that situation that Israel and Haggai were facing. God will give us an abundance of harvest. Thirsts will be quenched. Hunger will be filled. There will be warmth in the community and the Lord he'll provide in ways far in excess of mere finance friends let's consider how we build this house let's consider what we're bringing to the fellowship let's consider how personally we are making a home for the Holy Spirit and let's all shine for Jesus. God bless you.